Welcome to another inspiring sister's message. We hope you are blessed by this ministry. As you can see, I've got some very familiar faces with me. We're trying to social distance the best that we can, but we just thought we would just discuss some of the things that they face during lockdown and possibly are still facing. So let's start with Pastor Claire. And uh, you, you're going to share with us about homeschooling and teenagers, and I think that will help many of the women out there. Thank you, Pastor Vilma. It's awesome to be able to share. This is such a special night that we're doing together, and I hope you're enjoying it already, ladies, and feeling celebrated. Well, lockdown. What did it mean to be in lockdown with an eight-year-old little girl who is a free spirit, body smart, loves to move, does not like to be cooped in, and a 15-year-old, almost 16-year-old teenage boy who is an artist. Let me leave that there. Well, um, at the beginning of lockdown, I actually thought everything was going to be great because, praise God, we have a garden, and in our garden, in our little home, we have a jungle gym and a trampoline, and we have a sprinkler. So I thought, well, Chloe's going to be sorted because she'll spend her life out in the garden doing what she normally does. That's what she's normally doing, hanging from monkey bars, jumping on trampolines, cartwheeling all over the place. But strangely enough, the minute lockdown down started. Chloe wanted nothing to do with the outside life. She just wanted to be in the house, which is so unlike her. And I wondered if it maybe had to do with the fact that there was nobody out there to share her time with, nobody to talk to, or maybe because the grass was never grown. But I realized very quickly that I had to make some changes. And something I realized is that we can't um, have expectations about the way our children will respond to change. And when their world is turned upside down, we can't have a preconceived idea as to what their response will be. We have to go with them. One of the things I had to do immediately was try and calm her down because at school she had already heard some horrific stories about corona and COVID and dying and I had to really just calm her down and explain to her what it was at her level. And then we went from there. And as we got into the homeschooling rhythm, which was not really so much of a rhythm in our house, I realized I'm no teacher. I learned a new gratitude and appreciation for teachers out there. I realized that every little thing, Clo-Clo's mind would go off, get distracted, and I have to try and pull her in. And I did not realize that grade twos have to do fractions. So that was very interesting. But I realized as moms... We're called to put on various hats, amen. We're called to do whatever is needed, and we did it. We did it together, and the quality time together was pretty amazing, and we bonded even though we worked very slowly. And then there was Aiden on the other hand. And interestingly enough, this was really interesting for me because Aiden is naturally very much an introvert. He loves being at home in his room. He pops out to go and eat, as teenagers do, and then he goes back into his room. But funnily enough, he really struggled with the isolation. And uh, he was doing homeschooling online. In fact, he did amazingly well. He was very diligent and his marks went up. So that also taught me that online schooling can work for some kids. But he really, really struggled being isolated. So I have to confess, we smuggled a friend in through the boot into the estate once or twice just to keep his sanity and for our own sake. So that was interesting. But what I realized with him was the importance of open conversation. And as we spoke and as I just listened and, and aid him, my husband, and as we talked as a 
family. You know, he was able to express his feelings and we were able to navigate through them. And I've really just been proud of them of how they have had to make this thing work. You know, recording from home was not easy. We have a very small home. The kids were confined to their rooms for hours on end. It was difficult, but they did it. And I think they've realized that through this all, we've all had to learn to adapt to each other. We've had to learn that we're all unique individuals and we've had to learn what it is to be a team. And we've come out of it definitely stronger and uh, God has done an amazing work in our family. And I'm actually so grateful for what he's taught us. That's the tip of the iceberg. And I hope that helps ladies who are going through this at the moment still. Um, listen to your kids, give them your ear, give them your time and treat them as unique individuals and God will do the rest. Amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor Claire. That was really wonderful to hear the adventures of smuggling a friend in as well. That's great. Well, we are going to ask Pastor Bridget now um, to share with us what it means to be at home alone. I saw you posted, I'm alone, but I'm not lonely. And that really was quite profound, as simple as it is. Um, thank you, Pastor Volma. I think what was interesting with lockdown for me was um, I'm generally a bubbly person. I have lots of friends. I'm always on the phone with my siblings, with my friends. I have projects. Um, I'm a DIY girl. So I'm always at a builder's warehouse. Wherever there's stuff to get done, I'm there getting it done. So hearing about lockdown, I was like, wait a minute. That means I have to be in my house. I love my house, but you mean I have to be in my house 24-7? I have to eat by myself. I have to cook for myself. I have to do my own laundry. I have to iron by myself. And it just, all I could hear in my head was alone, alone, alone. Then somewhere along the line, I sat down and I was like, wait a minute. There's technology, like Pastor Vilma said earlier to us. And I realized if I didn't use the technology for my own good, I was going to be lonely. But instead I was alone, but I wasn't lonely when I decided to let all my friends know they'll most of them are nodding right now. I said to them, I require a video conference at least once every two weeks. So if you don't put it out there to people what you need, they're never going to know how to help you. Uh, but what surprised me was how many people cooked for me and dropped food at the gate. And just my friends know I love gardening. So I had lots of plants delivered. Instead of flowers, I got plants. So my house looks like a little bit of a jungle, or should I say more of a jungle than usual. And my office, my home office, um, my family, I showed it to them. They're like, you look like mom. I was like, I know I'm a mother. I've become my mother in lockdown. What a privilege. And I think also over and above that, I think when you settle what it is to be alone, you realize, wait a minute, you need routine. So I have laundry day. I have cleanup day. Um, I have my work. I have lunch outside every day. Um, so I just built a routine around certain things. And Saturday's pamper day. I don't have a husband to cook for. I don't have kids to homeschool. So I can sit on Saturday and do my nails and do a facial scrub. Um, all those good things that a single girl can do uh, when you are at home alone. So I think for me, it was just enjoying the time alone. That's why I think it moved from alone but not lonely is to say, what is it? If I want to read something, if I want to have popcorn for dinner, I can. If I want to have scrambled eggs as a snack, I can. And it's just enjoying those moments, but also just enjoying time with God, worship. And I always commune with God in nature. So I love going to my garden and just getting my hands in the mud and, and the dirt and just being reminded when I watch the birds, I'm like, God, this season, you haven't forgotten me. If you don't forget the birds, um, if, you, if you feed them, here they are in my own garden. 
that means I'm not forgotten. None of us are forgotten. For those of you who are at home feeling like you're alone, yes, you might be alone, but you don't need to feel lonely. Reach out to your friends. Reach out to your family. Um, for my own family, what I decided is I told our family and our family group I was responsible for birthdays. So every birthday since lockdown, I've been doing a big collage and sending it secretly to the whole family. And then the, on the day of the birthday, we all sent um, happy birthdays and we post about that particular person. And that's become something really special because along the way, I've been known for collecting photos. So all my siblings send me photos over the years. Um, and so I've picked up photos from when people were two years old, 10 years old, and it's been really special uh, being able to do that uh, with my family. And also just doing Zoom calls with friends overseas. I think just finding a way to win. Um, I think over and over again, that's the thing I've challenged myself to say, Bridget, you have a choice every day. You have a choice to be miserable or to find joy in the day. And I've just chosen to find joy in whatever I'm doing um, along the way. Thank you, Pastor Bridget. That's so beautiful. And now Simi's going to share with us on friendships. Yeah, so the, the way the world has changed, uh, the way we have to do friendships has been incredibly different. And uh, we've needed to find new creative ways to stay connected with our loved ones. Um, what I've really learned, though, is that there is no right or wrong way. So you may think like, oh, everyone's doing house party. I need to be doing that. Everyone's doing Zoom. Um, but actually, I, I personally prefer a more one-on-one -on -one approach. And I've had a couple of house parties and Zoom calls. I'm like, ah, I feel really tired right now. I feel quite overwhelmed. Um, but there's no right or wrong way. As long as you're staying connected, as long as you're not isolating yourself and you still have people that you can check in with. Um, and don't compare your friendships to how it may look on social media. Um, I think I looked at that and I was like, oh, people have got these big groups and stuff. What I needed was a more one-on-one -on -one approach um, people to check in with me, I, me checking in with people. And um, that's how I would do it in real life. So that was how I was doing it um, online. One thing I have discovered is um, there were a couple of dead plants that I've been watering and maybe some people that I shouldn't have been talking to or people I thought I could count on and maybe they weren't actually there for me. People found very creative ways to ghost you when they were at home, not working or actually doing anything. But so there were people who unexpectedly came through for me. And I feel like it's always like that, no matter what you go through in life. Whenever there's something hectic happening, you find that there are people that come in, in and out of your life in that way. But the important thing I discovered is don't put pressure on a friendship or relationship. Don't expect it to be something. Um, don't compare yourself because it's your own connection. It's you building a relationship with somebody. And... Um, you know, it's also striking the balance of, like Bridget said, you know, being alone with yourself and having people in your life and being able to connect with them. Um, I do know that anticipation is one of my happiness triggers, like we learned from Valerie Burton. So I've just been making sure that I have something to look forward to, whether it's something after level two, after level one, after level nothing, even if it's just, um, you know, running into someone in a shop or seeing friends when we do the recordings or having a video call that we've set a date for, it's always good to make sure that there's something to look forward to and um, that we're able to still connect with people and we're not going to wonder, oh, when is it going to change? When is it going to get better? We're able to make the most of the time together that we have now and we can find creative ways to still connect and not be isolated. Thank you, Simi. I'm sure girls out there, you would have been helped by that too. Well, now we've got Pastor Yannette. And uh, for those who don't know, Pastor Yannette um, has been sharing um, on her Instagram story uh, about being diagnosed with cancer and uh, how she's had to have preventative chemo because she has 
been completely cleared of cancer for which we praise God for. But uh, Pastor Yannette, if you could share with us what it was like to still be going to clinics to receive your chemo during this very dangerous time. We would so appreciate that. Yes, thank you, Pastor Vilma. So um, I have been going for preventative chemotherapy this year. And I've already done 14 sessions this year, and I will be doing another nine, which should take me to up to December when I'll be finished. And I actually just recently had a chat to a relative of mine who said that at least I don't have to worry about contracting COVID because surely the chemo would kill everything in my body that's not supposed to be there. But um, that's actually not true because the chemo is designed to specifically kill cancer cells, but it also kills um, and destroys the white blood cells in our bodies, which is the body's um, immune system, the defense system. So for example, if a chemo patient gets something mild like the common cold or perhaps a cut or a burn, those things can be life-threatening because the body is unable to fight back. And so for me, I've been going for blood tests almost every week this year where they check my levels. And what I've realized is that I might feel good, I might look strong and healthy, but the blood work shows that my body is actually quite weak and my immune system is very repressed. And um, therefore, I get regular booster injections to try and jolt my bone marrow to produce more white blood cells rapidly. So COVID-19 is a risk and there is an increased risk. And um, I remember back in March when um, lockdown had just started, I had gone for treatment. I was sitting there having chemo, chatting to the lady next to me who was also having chemo. And we were chatting about COVID and she said to me with these big eyes that, you know, we really have to be very careful because this thing will take us out. And um, she was really scared. And, you know, I think many of us have um, people in our world dealing with cancer, chemo, or perhaps some other chronic disease where the immune system is repressed. And, and I think we need to be sensitive to the fact that sometimes our loved ones will be anxious and they might even be downright fearful of contracting COVID because they know that they, you know, their bodies can't respond and fight back the way a fairly healthy body would fight back. But for us as a family, we decided that, yes, we will take precautions and we will apply wisdom, but we are not going to live in fear. We're going to choose to live by faith. And so for me personally, I have tried to restrict my exposure to other people as much as possible. I have been going for treatment, but I haven't been going to salons of any kind. Dean does all the shopping, all the grocery shopping, which is awesome. I, I think he should continue to do so. Um, but um, I even, you know, anything that's indoor where there's public places, I don't go there. So I think I've been to a shopping centre twice. And then only at 9am in the morning, I knew I had to go to a specific shop. I was in and out of there under 10 minutes. So we're doing all that we can to minimise my risk. But at the same time, we know that ultimately God is in control and ultimately we are, we are trusting God. And um, he is still my healer. He's still my protector. Um, he's still my heavenly father who loves me and he is walking me through this season. And so we've chosen to live by faith. And what that means is that um, we've sent our children back to school. It's, it's good for them and it's really good for us. And, um, you know, of course, there are risks involved in sending them. 
but we, um, we've just felt that we do what we can, the school is doing what they can to you know, minimize the risk, and then we need to live our lives. I, I also go into church every week to record for online church on the weekends, and of course I'm exposed to people and my risk increases, but again, we're doing what we can. We are adhering to strict COVID protocols, and, and for the rest, we trust in God. So I think in this season, I've just decided that I'm not going to live in fear. I'm not going to let worry rob me from the peace and joy that I can have in God. And I'm not going to miss out on all the good things that God has for me in this season, even in the midst of COVID and chemo. So if you've got someone in your world that's dealing with these things and they're fearful, you know, be understanding of that and just, just try and encourage them that, that God is still on the throne. He's still in charge and we are still safe in his hands. Thank you, Pastor Yannette. That is so encouraging for anyone who's facing the same kind of problems in their lives or their family members as well. I don't know if you faced a loss during this lockdown period. Um, well, we know certainly that Kogi has lost someone and uh, she's going to share with us now how they coped and how they supported one another during this mourning period. Thank you, Pastor Vilma. Um, you know, when we went into lockdown, like so many of us, we prayed like for protection of our families and trusted God to just keep um, our loved ones safe. But sometimes things happen, right? And um, during lockdown, my mum-in-law um, had actually fell and she fractured her hip and she needed to go into hospital um, and she needed to go for a hip replacement. Now, the hip replacement was actually went very well and she was on the mend and about to go to a step-down facility to facilitate her healing and she started to not feel so great in hospital and we then heard that she had contracted COVID while in hospital. Um, just not the news that we wanted to hear during this time and three days later sadly she'd passed on and um, for us as a family COVID death had become more than just a statistic. Um, it kind of was on our doorstep. And if you think of the normal human instinct, when someone's sick, when someone's in hospital, you want to be around their bedside, right? You want to be able to pray with them, encourage them, speak to them. But in the season, we were unable to do this. Most of our uh, liaising was done via the telephone to the doctors and uh, nurses. You know, often when someone's sick in hospital, do we hear that you were around somebody's bedside and that person was waiting to see somebody before they could um, go to be with the Lord? And um, I think often we hear that. I'm not sure that that's the reason that person was waiting. And I think it's more for the living. And in this season, many of us were not unable to say goodbye to loved ones. And we were facing this as a family. And I remember the day that mum had passed away, that afternoon, we finally were able to get a nurse to phone us and we got to speak to her. We couldn't hear her because she was on a ventilator, but she got to hear our voices and she spoke to um, all her kids and her grandchildren and we got to pray with her. And that was our final moment that we will remember um, when it comes to her parting and her exit out of this world into, um, into heaven. And I remember getting the message and it was pretty surreal. And for many South African cultures, death is a communal experience. It's a time when family and friends and 
neighbors, sometimes even strangers get together and in that, that we actually experience healing. And in this time of COVID, we did not have that. You know, for, for many people, going to a funeral or viewing a, a body gives you closure. And during this time of COVID, if you've lost a loved one, many of us are unable to do that. And not seeing that physical body, sometimes you have trouble accepting that the loved one is actually dead. You know, hugging and crying and laughing and sharing memories about a loved one is a normal part of grieving. It's what you do after a funeral. It's what you do when you're sharing that meal with the family. But for us, we had a very small funeral. There was 21 of us in a room with Zoom call to friends and family that were unable to be with us during this time. And it's just our new normal, right? It's the new way that we can do things. But I was so glad that we could still celebrate her life and give her what I call a beautiful send-off. You know, there's a few things that I've learned during COVID. And if you've lost a loved one, whether it's through COVID or during this season, I think that grieving is necessary. It's different in the season, but I think it's so necessary for people to still find a way to grieve. You know, Jesus actually says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And I think that our God in heaven knows that you are suffering from grief and the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. So if you are grieving, if you have lost somebody, it is so necessary for you to grieve. And the second thing I think I've learned in this season is that you need to seek support. You know, even though we as a family were physically alone, we felt loved and supported by friends and family. And I, and I think it's so important in this period, if you are going through grief, to allow people into your world and for many of our friends and family they were also unsure on how to deal with this moment they wanted to help us they also felt helpless in the season and I think it's good for you if you are going through grief to know that your friends and family want to support you they're just trying to figure out the how I remember even at the funeral we actually started to look at our friends and family suspiciously We've just had a family member that passed away from COVID. I had no idea where Derek's sisters or uh, family have been. And suddenly you do start looking at your friends and, um, and your family differently. So if you're watching and if you've lost somebody, can I just encourage you to take care of yourself physically and spiritually? Make sure that you're plugged into God's word because if you do that, it will help you cope emotionally. Realize that time usually helps with healing and with grief. You might be grieving in isolation, but you've got a God in heaven that's with you and you've got friends and family, especially part of your church family that wants to walk this journey with you. So when you're ready, get out there and find peace past your pain. Pastor Vilma, one of the scriptures that I held on to during this period was Psalm 48. It said, for this God is our God forever and ever. He will be your guide even to the end. And I know that I could not be there with my mom-in-law or our family couldn't, but I know that Jesus was because she knew him and he was with her until the very end. Isaiah 57 also tells us, talks about good people passing. And it says, for those who follow godly paths will rest in peace when they die. And knowing that mom knew Jesus, I know that she's resting in peace and although we've suffered a loss during COVID, I can take peace in knowing that she's in heaven with our God. Wow. Thank you, Cody. <clears throat> I know that could not have been easy yeah. for you. 
And uh, if we weren't social distancing, I'd be over there to just give you a big mommy hug myself. But thank you so, so much for sharing that. I'm sure that would have helped many people, uh, even beyond online, if they were to watch on YouTube in the future. Well, last but not least, we've got Mama Nuska Zwane. God bless you, uh, Nuska. You're such a blessing to the house and um, directing the Rivers Foundation. We never take for granted even how you expose yourself as a brave warrior chick right now, uh, going out amongst people and how God is protecting you. We pray for you every single day. And I know that something that's very close to your heart is gender-based violence. And so won't you just share with the ladies on what's on your heart for them? Although I have not been exposed to gender violence, um, I speak to a lot of people, especially around what women are going through um, from the foundation seat, but also as a woman and also as a sister to many and as a gogo to many. Gender violence is affecting almost everybody, black, white, and any age. Um, we've had very gruesome stories of young children as young as three months old being raped and molested by the so-called uncles um, we've had gogos being molested by their own grandchildren, um, demanding the money, the grant money, and then with the anger that, they, that these young boys are going through, they end up uh, hitting their grandmothers, some of them pouring boiling waters you know, on them because they want this money. And um, some even go to the extent of raping uh, the gogos. You know? So it's, it's, it's a painful, painful era that we are going through. However, during the lockdown, it seems to have grown and, and the lockdown has just exacerbated this anger from men or this fear, I don't know how, what to call it, um, the, 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 the expression of dominance over women uh, using all these um, gruesome um, tortures on women um, is, is because of the space um, initially. Like if you go to families where there's a gogo who's looking after, uh, let's say, four children, six children, or even 12 children, and there's varied uh, ages in the family, like there's two-year-olds, four-year-olds, and maybe 16-year-olds, and some of those boys, they smoke nyaupe, and with the smoking of nyaupe, now they can't go around, you know, doing whatever that they normally would do when they are high. So they are cooped at home and they take their anger on whoever that they can get hold of at home. And sadly, it is mostly the girls, a girl child or the teen sister or the mom even or um, the gogo. So um, there's a story that I want to share. This lady had, two, he has two children and uh, she's unemployed. So she gets her grant money, you know, to feed her children. Her uncle, who is also unemployed, lives in the same house. And um, so she was preparing a meal for her little ones. And the, un the uncle demanded food. And this girl said, I would like to dish out for my children first, you know, before giving it to, to you, you know, because it's not enough. Obviously, the, the man was very angry and she hit this lady while the little ones are watching. And we are so scared um, of the man in our lives, whether it's your son or your husband or your colleague, because you don't know what 
triggers this anger, you know, um, and you want to find out, you know, how can you avoid maybe trembling on this person's toes, you know, because you, you, you don't want to be killed, you don't want to be raped, you don't want to uh, hot water poured on you, you know, because they do such gruesome things, stabbing a, a pregnant woman um, several times, you know, all those stories. At Sisters, we place such great value on women. We love women and we know God loves women. So I just want to also share with some of our sisters about how we socialize our boy child. When we allow our men to abuse us, we are actually teaching our boy child to be abusers in the future. So we need to take a stand, a godly stand against our men and stop the violence, even if it means leaving the marital home and go and stay with your parents or your relatives and take your children. Because often people stay in their marriages, in their very abusive marriages, because they have nowhere to go or they have no money to look after the children or money um, to pay the rent. However, even when that is the case, I would encourage the women to just be brave. Just take your children, keep them safe, and go to a safe place where you and your children can restart in your life. I do believe that um, often when things like these happen, it is not to torture you. Sometimes is God allowing you to be a strong warrior that he wants us to be. So ladies, take that courage and get out while you are still alive and while your children are still alive. Wow. Thank you, Mama Nuska. Such a, a really difficult topic, and especially right now. And, you know, there, there are things that can be done. And I love what Nuska said. It starts within the home. It starts with us training our children uh, to, to respect others and to respect women. And uh, time won't permit, but I know that there are answers. And the main answer is Jesus is the answer for this world. Totally. It's a sin issue. Violence and hatred is a sin issue. And what we need in this world and we need in South Africa is revival. We need to pray for revival. We need to uh, ask God to send his Holy Spirit to sweep through this land and to change the hearts of not only men, but men and women so that the world can be a better place. Well, I'm going to thank Pastor Claire, Pastor Yannette, Kogi, Pastor Bridget, Simi and Mama Nuska for just sharing with us tonight. And I have a little bit of time uh, to share a short message with you. So I trust that you will be encouraged. You may have noticed that we are sitting at a table tonight, a familiar sight at Sisters, because Jesus often invited women to a table. He dined with Mary and Martha. He sat with prostitutes in order to place value on them and reach them with the good news of salvation. Women are welcome at the table in the kingdom of God. Just like Mephibosheth, a crippled descendant of King Saul, accepted the invitation to sit at King David's table, we accepted the invitation at King Jesus' table. Just like the parable of the rich man in Luke 14, when he sent out his servant to invite people to a banquet, they came in by invitation and found their place 
in the banqueting house. Many don't accept the invitation and many do not want to be led to the table. Have you heard the saying, what can you bring to the table? Well, what does the phrase bring to the table mean? Bring to the table might mean literally to place something on a table for consumption as we see here tonight. But it can also mean to bring one's qualities and assets to a situation. To bring something to the table means to contribute something to a group effort in homes, families, business, and church. So I just have a short word for you entitled, What do women bring to the table? And my first thought tonight is she brings her full self to the table. Have you noticed that women are all in? That is the nature of women, I've noticed. In church, the female half is bigger. What they bring to the table is their presence and their willingness to participate. It is a known fact that in church, women across the world are more committed than men. Women were last to stay at the cross and first at the tomb when Jesus rose from the dead. They were also the ones who prepared his body for burial. The woman with the alabaster jar prepared Jesus before his death and after his death, women prepared him in the customary way for burial. They were hands-on, you could say, in every way. They also supported him financially. I look at the sisters' ministry and I see women who bring themselves fully to the table. They cook meals when people move to the city. They add enormous value in the home, family, business, and the church in ways that make the world a better place. Second thought tonight is she brings her skills to the table. We all have different gifts and callings. The body of Christ have many parts working together. I've seen women at Sisters very keen to bring their skills to the table, whether it be to paint nails in the pamper zone, dance in the dance team, or help in the kitchen to bake and cook food, right down to offering legal advice to help the church. Women are helpers in whatever way they can. Women are nurturers, homemakers, doctors, artists, manufacturers, lawyers, business owners, directors, coaches, principals, chartered accountants, pastors, teachers, actors, singers, celebrities, and even custom car builders as seen on Netflix, car masters, and rust restorers. I must add, Pastor Andre helped me with that one because I don't watch those programs, but I will now. It's amazing what women can accomplish and bring to the table. Author Dr. Sherry Borg Carter said, Today, women hold half of all management and professional positions in the United States, and female business owners represent one of the fastest growing markets in this country. In business, as in many other walks of life, the achievements of women are unprecedented. Well, I believe the same can be said about South Africa. The achievements of women are unprecedented. We need to celebrate women who are high achievers. And number three tonight, she brings unity and peace to the table. When women sit together from different cultures and nations, 
they are curious to find out about each other, aren't they, Bridget? Amen. They share their stories and discover they are not so different after all. Women share similar life experiences. There is empathy. They may eat different food and have different customs, but at their core, they feel like sisters and celebrate each other. They discover they are their sister's keeper. There is a caring and a togetherness that can be found, a willingness to walk in each other's shoes. Have you noticed that sitting at the table at home, either over a meal or a conversation, if there is a disagreement and no negotiation or willingness to work things out, someone will storm off and leave the table? Is it not the mother or the older sister who says to everyone to calm down and sit down. You see, the table is where we work things out and come to an agreement. That is what women bring to the table. The United Nations research shows that involving women in peace building reduces violence by 24%. Have you noticed how conflicted the world is? It's even worse than ever before. There is now a trend towards appointing women to positions of power and heads of states, not only because of gender equality, but because it is recognized that women are peacemakers and they bring something special into matters of conflict. As we personally rest in the promises and love of God, His grace enables us to grow as peacemakers and as reconcilers. Maybe something to think about as we spoke about gender-based violence, that as women get involved with the raising up of their own children, uh, their sons, the boy child, that they can teach them something about conflict resolution. I have an unknown quote that says, if women ran the world, there would be no war. So there we have it. Women bring so much to the table and God, no doubt, planned and created us that way. Isn't that beautiful? Don't you love being a woman? I love being a woman. You must remember, if you know my story, I have five brothers and I always wanted to be a boy because I didn't like being different from them. But I learned to celebrate who God made me to be and I trust you feel the same way. Thank you for listening. We hope you were blessed and inspired by this ministry.